0: The Chicago Bears have their new right tackle for the present and the future with Tennessee's Darnell Wright. Maybe it wasn't the most exciting pick, but it was a good one. And it taught us a thing or two about Bears general manager Ryan Poles. You are locked on Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked on Bears your first listen today. Whether this is your first time ever listening to Locked on Bears or whether you listen to it every single day, I really appreciate you tuning in. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL general manager and managing your own football franchise, then this game is definitely for you. To download it, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on your phone's app store. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to your franchise when you use our promo code LOCKED ON in all caps in the game's store. On the show today, we recap the Bears' first round in the NFL draft, trading down from 9 to 10 to select Tennessee offensive tackle Darnell Wright. We'll explore him as a prospect, a scouting report, and how he fits then with this Chicago Bears offensive line, and how this sort of, what it says about, the Bears general manager and this draft class, how it reveals some of Ryan Poles' thought processes and decision-making when it comes to draft evaluation, looking at Darnell Wright instead of staying at nine and taking Jalen Carter, but also Darnell Wright instead of some of the other offensive tackle prospects in this draft class. And of course, we got to glance ahead briefly at least to some of the options available on day two and what the Bears still need to accomplish with the rest of the draft. But it didn't really come as a major surprise that the Bears ultimately ended up taking an offensive tackle and that Darnell Wright specifically was a name that had gained some traction in circles, you know, rumored to be a player the Bears were interested in. It sounds like had Paris Johnson been an option, they would have likely considered or taken him first, but Darnell Wright was clearly the next best offensive lineman for them on their board. And they were willing to still move down one spot and ultimately take him 10th overall. I do think the moving down one spot and, and the players they didn't draft is almost as interesting as the players that they did draft. But I want to start with Wright specifically, the player that's actually here before we talk about the, some of the things they didn't do on draft day. Darnell Wright is big, strong, physical, tough, and mean. He fits the like mentality of an offensive lineman, but also specifically like a right tackle. He's six foot five. He he got down to 333 pounds at the combine and weighed that same rate at his pro day. But there's a feeling like during the season, he played at a significantly higher weight, like 345, 350 in the regular season. He is big and strong. He's got decent enough arm length at 33 and three quarters inch and ran a, a 501 40 yard dash. Like he's not the longest arms but he doesn't have short arms either and he's not the fastest offensive lineman but he's not slow either he's a good enough athlete in pretty much every way he's thick he's strong and has a lot of power that's definitely one of his strengths and yet you know he's still pretty pretty smooth getting out of his stance right he knows how to hold his own in pass protection he's got pretty good quickness you're never really going to see him get bullied as a result of his strength and generally like pretty good at controlling his body and keeping good balance and and adjusting and kind of staying in front of guys despite not being, you know, the absolute fastest or or, or most agile. Part of the problem there is that he can get a little bit top heavy and ends up bending at the waist at times. And like technique-wise, that's where he gets a little bit off balance and can sometimes get beaten that way. There's room to keep him from overextending then and have him sit a little bit more back in pass protection and can, I think refine his game even farther because even with that those flaws or those technique lapses sometimes he still shut down Will Anderson this season in their one-on-one matchup like when he went up against some of the best pass rushers in college football and including in this year's actual NFL draft he was able to hold his own with them while also being a pretty solid you know road grader in the running game as well like he's been He's been pretty consistent all around, although certainly seems like this season is where he took a step forward, particularly in the pass protection realm. Didn't give up a sack at all this season and really, you know, was fairly consistent throughout the course of the year that way. Plus, you add that that mentality of wanting to be the enforcer, to not take anybody's crap and to go be a physical freak, like a, a physical dominant bully on the field. And I think there's a lot of reason why you can fall in love with him and feel like, A, He's good enough right now to be your plug-and-play starting right tackle, but also you know, if you clean up the waist bending a little bit and some of the overextending and maybe make sure you keep the body weight in, in check, there's potential for further improvement to be that like pro bowl caliber player a- as a ceiling there sometime down the line. Obviously, you plug him in right away in this Bears offensive line as the starting right tackle. He did start at left tackle in the past and had d- even played some guard in college. So there's this feeling like, yes, of course, He's the obvious plug-in at right tackle, and that's likely 100% where he's going to start his career with the Chicago Bears. But you do feel like down the line, if for whatever reason, you need to move him to a different position, you acquire another player somewhere else, or you lose another player somewhere else, and you need to plug him in at guard or even left tackle, he has some experience and some level of comfort doing so. But for now, he's your right tackle, and he's a very clear investment in Justin Fields, right? You are prioritizing getting good protection for him and making sure that you're trying to put your quarterback in as good of a position as possible this season. After the Bears bid on but did not follow through on some of the high-priced free agent offensive tackles, they prioritize that position in the first round by getting that guy to shore up that front side for Justin Fields and give you like what feels like five set-in-stone starters right now on the offensive line. Braxton Jones, your left tackle. Tevin Jenkins is your left guard. Cody Whitehair is your center. Nate Davis is your right guard and Darnell Wright is your right tackle. Sure could could competitions happen and you could move guys around a little bit yes, but like we're not going in anymore wondering like will there be a competition at this position to see who's going to start? No we've got five players in place and that's a good feeling like this offensive line is set and there's room for consistency and now this group can kind of grow. you're not going to be moving guys around just set them in this spot and let them work as that five group throughout the rest of the offseason so they can have as much chemistry as possible heading into week one. I did find it interesting that it was Darnell Wright as the pick here, as opposed to Peter Skorowski from Northwestern, who many had uh, higher on their draft boards, or even Broderick Jones from Georgia, who ended up going in the middle of the the first round. The Steelers ended up trading up for him instead of trading up to where the Bears were at the ninth overall pick. But I think it might say something about what Ryan Poles looks for and values at the offensive tackle position. We'll kind of look at how Wright compares, and and how this pick matters in the context of the wider draft class, not only in the first round. Next, on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. This is a fun, free, mobile game that puts you in complete control of your NFL franchise. It lets you make these first round picks for your team. You can decide, do you stay at nine and take the... Defensive linemen with off-field questions. Do you move down a little bit and still grab an offensive tackle with some upside? What do you do for your franchise? Ultimate Football GM puts you in that control. You're making draft picks. You're making draft trades. You're hiring and firing coaches. You're signing free agents. You're setting your lineups for the regular season and so much more. It's completely free, playable offline too, so you can play it on the go as you want whenever you want to. Locked on Bears listeners are going to get a 100% free boost to your franchise when you enter in our promo code LOCKED ON in the game store. Make sure that's in all caps, LOCKED ON. And check it out today. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on your phone's App Store. That's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate Football GM, start your dynasty today. Ryan Poles' first round pick for the Chicago Bears now, I think, carries some weight in how this general manager evaluates talent, right? We didn't see him take an offensive lineman until the fifth round last year. We talked about this a little bit on the podcast leading up to the draft on what we'll learn about Ryan Poles here. And I think we learned something of note about Poles when it comes to the decision to take Darnell Wright with this first round pick that... There's, I think there's certain things polls may value that that allowed him to make, make Darnell Wright the pick over these two other guys. And it also might reveal a little bit too about positional priority and, and how he looks at this draft class as a whole. Like when, when the Bears traded the 10 and Carter came off the board at 9, which we will talk about that specifically coming up here in just a little bit. We we got to 10 then and looked at best players available on the board, right? It was the offensive tackles, Peter Skaransky, Darnell Wright, Broderick Jones. It was maybe a wide receiver like uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who ended up falling pretty far, actually. Could have been a defensive end like Lucas Van Ness or Miles Murphy. And then the cornerback, uh, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, also to me felt like one of the best players available here. So the fact that he goes Darnell Wright there is interesting on a couple of fronts. Like one, everyone in with this offensive tackle class, it was kind of a choose-your-own-flavor type of thing, because each each of the tackles kind of offered a little bit of a different skill set, right? They're all, like, slightly different archetypes, if you will. I mean, I don't, don't want to oversimplify them and put them into that kind of bucket, but, like, you know, Broderick Jones at that point was the little bit of the, like, you know, like, finesse, or more finesse, like, left tackle, a little bit of the longer arms, but a little bit lighter in that regard and had only played on the left side. Peter Skransky, of course, like, master technician, but... Small and short arms, and we didn't know whether the Bears and other teams would view him as an NFL offensive tackle or if he would have to play guard in the NFL. And then Darnell Wright is the bigger, stronger, bully type right tackle who still is fairly mobile, right? He's not the slow type of, you know, traditional right tackle that you might think of, but still, like, he's more in that mold compared to Broderick Jones being more like the oversized tight end playing tackle and Skronsky being the maybe can't play at guard. Ryan Poles chose the bigger, stronger, meatier right tackle, which is interesting because, one, the Bears had expressed a desire for lighter offensive linemen. That, that was more Ryan Poles's mold and his type, right? They wanted guys to be light and to be able to move well. And right was not specifically that in college. Certainly, they can work to bring his weight down and keep him lighter and maybe make him a little bit faster without sacrificing too much strength. That may very well be the issue here. Like Ryan Poles is not specific. It's not specifically the body weight number, the 333 that he's at, but really it's like body fat percentage and lean mass percentage each, because of course, like each body is going to carry weight differently. And of course, muscle weighs more than fat. So like you may have a lot of muscle and weigh more than someone who has, who has a decent amount of fat. So like, it's not to say like Darnell Wright needs to necessarily be at like a specific weight threshold or that the Bears are not going to draft a lineman over 330 pounds, but it's more about like getting guys at a specific body composition. And I imagine that will be part of Wright's transition here. It's also worth noting that, you know, Darnell Wright is a experienced offensive lineman coming out of college, a, a Two years as the full-time starter, but really has three years of starting experience, st- or four years of, of starting experience, got in there as a freshman and started a handful of games there and was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. Like, that is definitely a part of this equation, whereas Broderick Jones from Georgia, for example, only a two-year starter in that regard. Skarowski was a four-year starter, too, but, like, you wonder, do the Bears then legitimately have a thing with with arm length? Wright's arms are not long. Broderick Jones' arms are longer, and, of course, Paris Johnson's were, were much, much longer, but they did meet a, ther- a certain threshold that Peter Skoransky did not. It would seem to indicate, like, as we went through this pre-draft process, the only downside for Skoransky really was the arm length, right? He checks all of the other boxes. So the only reason then to pass on him for a different tackle is the arm length. Like, Skoransky's got the best feet in this class, most of the best technique in this class. Like, he's he's better than Paris Johnson even in a lot of categories except for the arm length and the size. So like, that's the reason why you would take another offensive tackle over him. It would seem to indicate that the bears would feel then that Skaronsky wasn't able to properly overcome that size question. So it just seems like we're getting a better sense of perhaps what Ryan Poles might value in, in the offensive tackle position. That doesn't mean he won't make exceptions to those rules and, and deviate from, you know, the trend that we're seeing now with, with the types of tackles he might pre- might prefer, but It is something to keep an eye on here. And especially when you're investing a top 10 draft pick, I think he's going to really lean on his preferences there. And it tells us more, like the players he takes early tell us more about what he prefers than the players he takes later on when you're more willing to just take, take a chance on outliers and guys that might not fit otherwise what you might normally prefer or look for at some of those specific positions. It also might be an indicator of how important the offensive tackle spot is going to be for Ryan Poles compared to like, his opportunities to improve that position in other ways. Because you look at this draft class, there's not really much of a middle class of offensive tackles here. What I mean by that is like, you've got the five that win in the first round here. Uh, Skaranski, I mean, if we count Skaranski as a tackle, which we'll see, but the, the offensive lineman, right? Paris Johnson, Darnell Wright, Peter Skaranski, Broderick Jones, and then Anton Harrison from Oklahoma. Like those are kind of the the stud first round caliber plug and play week one starting offensive tackles in the NFL. Then you in the second round, you get like Dewand Jones and and Matthew Bergeron, and that's kinda it for like this middle class of like guys who are pretty good. They have some questions, maybe aren't as athletically gifted, but they're they're pretty good. And you'd be okay, happy with them. It's kind of those two guys. And then after that you get to like this the Tyler Steens of the world and the 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 Blake uh, Freeland from Penn state and you get to more like project offensive tackles that you wouldn't necessarily trust throwing out their week one and having to say, he's our only option at right tackle. And so it kind of felt like it was first, if you were looking for a guy that was going to start day one and be really happy with it was first round or bust your chances of getting one of those other tackles in round two, that seemed low that Bergeron and Dewan Jones are going to make it all the way to 53. You could have considered trading up, but was that a risk Ryan poles was willing to take I don't think so. And and that's that's kind of the other thing here is like Darnell Wright is kind of the, the safe pick. Going offensive tackle at 10 is the safe pick. You're pretty likely for this guy to pan out and be a potential 10-year starter. You know, this isn't a swing for the fences. This is not a risky pick. It's a solid pick. I described it on, on Twitter and elsewhere as eating your vegetables. I mean, this is like, yeah, it's not candy. It's not sweet. It's not exciting, but it's good for you. So eat it and, and, you know, accept that it's good for you. And that's ultimately where I think I come down on, on Darnell Wright. But it reflects this long this bigger trend, perhaps, of not wanting to go after risk. And ultimately, having the chance to take Jalen Carter at nine and agreeing to a trade with the Eagles to let the Eagles take him and get a, a future fourth round pick in exchange. We'll, we'll look at that decision and why it's one we're probably going to look back on for quite some time next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is powered by Built Bars, the world's best tasting protein bars. I actually had a Built Bar right before I started recording this podcast because it's a perfect sweet treat that's somehow guilt-free. Every Built Bar is soft, easy to chew, covered in 100% real chocolate. They taste like candy bars. They're delicious. I love them so much. I eat one literally every single day. But they're also good for you. They're low sugar. Low calories, high fiber, and high protein. We're talking 17 grams of protein for only 130 calories, three, four grams of sugar. And they come in a bunch of delicious flavors. You can check out all of the great flavors over at built.com. But if you don't want to wait for them to ship to your house, you can head over to your local Walmart or Sam's Club and get some of those specialty flavors. That's right in the Walmart pharmacy section with the protein bars. You can grab yourself a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or their coconut puffs, which are really, really good. Or if you're close to Sam's Club, you can run in and grab a 13-bar box with two of my all-time favorite flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. Trust me, like those those are the ones, if you're going to try one, go grab that box from Sam's Club because those are two of the elite of the elite top tier built bar flavors. Try them for yourself. You'll thank me later. We reached this pivotal decision point For Ryan Poles in this draft, you know, as teams traded back up past the Bears trades with the the Seahawks and the Lions moving around there, the Cardinals getting back up there. Uh, One after one, the picks come off the board. Jalen Carter falls, Jalen Carter falls and boom, the Bears are on the clock and Jalen Carter is sitting there on the board. And from from all the talking and, and tweeting and podcasting and commenting and live streaming interactions I've had with Chicago Bears fans, it seemed to me like the overwhelming majority were on board with Jalen Carter. Everyone was either like, yes, give me Jalen Carter, or no, let's let's not touch that one with a 10-foot pole. But to me it my like anecdotal just reading comments and interacting with you, to me it was like a 60-40, 65, 35, maybe 70-30 split of like pro Carter versus never Carter as kind of the split there. And so I think there were a lot of disappointed Bears fans out there when the trade came in and they go from nine to ten the Eagles move up to ten or move up to nine from ten and select Jalen Carter. They ended up doubling down on uh, John Georgia defensive lineman with with Nolan Smith later on. That hold. I mean, then they have Wyatt Davis too. Like they've got they've got the Georgia defensive line rolling in in Philadelphia. That's really a a fun thing to see there. Excuse me, Jordan Davis is the is the Georgia tackle they got last year in the first round. And for the Bears, to me, it spoke volumes, right? If if you're on the clock with a ninth overall pick. And you trade down to ten, that is Ryan Pohl saying no, we are not going to take Jalen Carter, right? They didn't trade down to ten thinking the Eagles weren't going to take him and they could still get him at ten, and they were and and they weren't sit, sit, sitting there thinking like oh like we we think Jalen Carter is the best player available, but we're not going to take him. Like to me, th- there's no way that Jalen Carter wasn't th- the best player available in that spot. Like there's, it's not like they're sitting there going well Carter's fifth on our board, but we have Darnell Wright ahead of him. Like that's just not. I don't think that, could, that, that can be the case. And so by having the option to take Carter and not only choosing not to take him, but choosing to trade down so another team could take him, that was the Bears saying, we don't, I don't, trust is not the right word, but it's the Bears saying we don't want this guy for whatever reason, whether it's, we don't trust the character or the work ethic or, what, or the, the arrest situation, whatever it is, the Bears sent a message by not taking Jalen Carter there. They, they told you how they felt about Jalen Carter by not drafting him there. Sure. Does it feel like going from nine to ten for a future fourth round pick feels like peanuts? Yeah. Sure. I mean, I. It seems like a weird thing to be upset about. Like they, would you be, would you have felt better if they had stayed at nine and taken Darnell right there? Like I think that's kind of that was kind of the equation for Ryan Poles. It was like, well, I could take this late. I could take this future day three draft pick to get the guy I want, or I could stay here and get the guy I want. And why not take whatever scraps the Philadelphia Eagles will throw your way just so they could ensure that they were going to get the guy that they clearly valued and clearly wanted and clearly were comfortable taking. I do get the logic of saying, well, if you know the the, the Eagles general manager, Howie Ros- Roseman is really well-regarded as a talent evaluator and someone who makes very smart decisions for his football team. And if that guy is willing to take Jalen Carter, then should we be concerned that our guy wasn't willing to take Jalen Carter? And I don't know. I, I think that that kind of logic is is a little bit of a false equivalency there because – Howie Roseman's team is in a very different situation. His defensive line is in a very different situation. His offensive line is in a very different situation. He's got different needs and different poles to address. He also has a different locker room and a different coaching staff that may be able to handle the Carter situation differently. He may have more, because he has more defensive line depth, he can get away with Carter not panning out. If something goes wrong and Carter is a bust for some reason, it's not going to... You know, destroy the Eagles or be this huge loss. They have a lot of other good defensive linemen. Like, they're not, you know, they're, they're not counting on Carter to pan out. They want him to pan out and think he will, but like, they can survive more. It will be less damaging if Carter fails for the Eagles than it would be if the Bears take him, put all of their hopes on him to lead their defensive line for the future, and then he fails and, and busts out for whatever reason. Like, I just think Poles and, and Howie Roseman were in two different of a situations to compare their decision-making in this case, apples to apples, right? Maybe if Ryan Poles is the GM of the Eagles and has all that situation, he takes Carter there. And maybe if Howie Roseman is the GM of the Bears and has this situation, he passes on Carter there. Like, I don't think we can just say Roseman took him, so that means everyone else made a mistake. Because, I mean, I do think Howie Roseman is a good GM and will probably pan out for them. But just because it pans out for the Eagles doesn't mean it would pan out for the Bears in the exact same way. I do think Bears fans will constantly compare the pick of Carter to the pick of Wright. And we'll look back 10 years from now and either say, man, the Bears really should have taken a chance on Carter because it worked out so well for the Eagles, or man, I'm really glad the Bears took Darnell Wright because Carter busted out and Wright it was a really solid right tackle for us for a decade. I think it's going to be probably one of those two types of outcomes there. But I think Ryan Poles looks at it and says, listen, I'm not going to be able to get an, a good offensive tackle in the second round, but I could still get good defensive linemen in the second round. And so that's kind of where I, that's kind of where I want to just glance briefly at some of the best players available as we still look ahead to like what could be in store for the second round. Like, I don't want to spend too much time there, but it feels like, you know, offensive tackle wise, it's kind of Bergeron or Dewan Jones. And those are the only offensive tackles you were going to really have as realistic options in the second round. And even then not a decent chance that they make it. But when you start looking at defensive linemen, you've got, Keanu Benton from Wisconsin. You've got uh, the the Kansas State edge rusher, the uh, whose last name is hard for me to pronounce, uh, uh, Uzoma. Is, uh, and then you've got the Northwestern defensive lineman Baware. You've got uh, Derek Hall from Auburn in there. It's not that's not that like, there's like hundreds of guys. But Zach Pickens from South Carolina. Like, but there are some different options here. Gravon Dexter from Florida. Byron Young from Tennessee. Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame, who we talked about. There's, there, there is more depth in the second round at defensive tackle and defensive end than there is at offensive tackle, and I think that played a role in the Bears' decision here, and you still feel like they can fill some of these needs in the second round that might still be best player available, and, and you would hate to have feel like you have to reach for a right tackle there, that you're not even all that confident in in the first place. So those are some of the guys I'm looking for in the second round. I think a center is a real possibility there with like Joe Titman or John Michael Schmitz. If someone makes it down that far, there's a lot of cornerback depth, like a DJ Turner from Michigan or a Riley Moss from Iowa, some different options there. But I do think we'll see at least one defensive lineman in these three picks. And let's not rule out the possibility of a tight end. This is a good, deep tight end class. And I think it's worth the investment. We did a podcast about that last week, like why it's worth the investment to take a tight end this year to prepare for a couple of years down the line we'd love to hear what you think about darnell wright and what you think the bears should do with their second and third round picks let us know in the comment section here on the video for the lockdown bears youtube channel for this podcast episode you can also tweet us at locked on bears and you can post in the lockdown bears facebook group to keep the conversation going there as well however you join the conversation make sure you hit that subscribe button On the YouTube channel or wherever you're watching or listening to the podcast, that's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. This would normally be our last podcast of the week coming out Friday morning, but we're going to do a special Friday night, Saturday morning podcast for you after day two of the draft because the Bears have four picks as it stands right now and are going to make four pivotal decisions for their franchise. So we're going to have one more bonus podcast for you. First thing on your podcast feed, Saturday morning, we may even go live Friday night after the Bears picks, we'll see, but probably just first thing Saturday morning for you. So be sure to be on the lookout for that make us your weekend first listen. I'd also like to plug, I'll be going live after the draft over on the Bleacher Report live, live app. We do some, I've been doing some live streams over there for our friends at Bleacher Report and this one will be Sunday afternoon and I'm just, pulling up the time because I want to make sure I get the time zones correctly. It is 2 p.m. Central time, April 30th. We're going to react to the entire full Bears draft class in the Bleacher Report BR app. We'll do a live stream in there as well. So go check that out on Sunday. Come on back tomorrow for a bonus Bears Day 2 draft episode of Lockdown Bears. Next week, we're going to talk to our friends from Locked On Tennessee volunteers, Eric Kane to learn more about Darnell Darnell Wright. So that's in the works as well. But of course... No matter what, you have to come back for your next opportunity to bear down.